Welcome to the Channel 17 Podcast, a weekly Atlanta Braves discussion podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network. Online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can also follow us on social media at Facebook and Twitter at ProdLeisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and joining me as always is my father, Tim Floyd. Yes, Will, thank you, and as always, I'm delighted to do this, and now we are less than two weeks from real yes. opening day so get more excited all the time and various things are coming into focus about the Braves I guess sort of um, it's more that we know what opening day will be I don't think we could predict who will be on the roster on May 1st much less July 1st well right um, there, there, there'll be lots of roster changes this year I think as we go forward um, and of course spring training has been interesting but we know enough not to make any projections based on you know what pe- people have done in the small sample size of spring training, but there have been some positive signs anyway. I'll say it, such as um, Ronald Acuna being the best hitter in the Grapefruit League. Right, um, that's that's I can't help but get very excited about him. Um, and for and people who might think I'm being sarcastic, last week, well, yeah, but you know Sean Newcomb went four and two thirds perfect innings. Um, Meaning the guy didn't walk anybody. If Sean, Sean Newcomb can just throw strikes, uh, we said this over and over again. The guy is a top of the rotation starter. Easier said than done, but uh, he's at least proven he's capable of doing it once in his life for nearly five innings. <laughs> in um, the spring, and, and then the other thing this week, Fultonavich pitched five innings of no hit ball, um, and he Fultonavich has been lights out this spring. And I, I feel bad even saying any of this because we know it doesn't really mean anything. But I can't help but think if some of these pitchers would really meet their potential we've been seeing, this could be a lot more interesting season than the last three, that's for sure. Well, and we're going to talk about infielders today as sort of our plan to gear up for the season. So the Ronald Acuna Love Fest will continue in earnest next week. When I said he's the best hitter in the Grapefruit League, I sounded sarcastic. I wasn't. No, that's literally true. He's literally he? it. He has, he has the best OPS of anybody in Florida, right? I mean, I haven't checked after today's games. We're doing this on Friday. Yeah, I, I realize he did yesterday, in which he hit another home right. run, seems like. <laughs> but the interesting thing that I do want to say here is the Braves made two moves. The first was on Tuesday. They picked up Ezekiel Carrera on a minor league deal. Now, there's some weirdness here. Ezekiel Carrera... Uh, was with the Toronto Blue Jays last year. He was brought in by Alex Anthopoulos for the 2015 season, so that's some connection. Yeah, but he and received. I, I didn't remember anything about him because I don't follow the American League much. Right. He had a pretty good year last year. He did. He also then got signed for 1.9 million before the spring, and then and was then let they go. let him go. What was that all about? I have no idea. Well, in any event. Um... I don't know whether he's going to be on the roster, and we'll talk about outfielders next week, as you said. Uh, but that's that's a move that you know may impact the major league roster. But that costs almost as little as a ball player can cost, right? And last year he hit two eighty two, three fifty six, four oh eight, and three hundred twenty five plate appearances. He can play center field. Though he actually had to have good defensive stats. Although then again, very small sample sizes. He apparently pretty fast, but not a good outfielder, right? <laughs> The old Ralph Gar syndrome. But even, right. like, the projections have him at, like, a 
260 something to 330 on base, 390 slugging. If that's your backup outfielder, in fact, guy you have a number that's about all you can expect out of Marquecas for that matter, right? Um, and uh, assuming, I mean, obviously, Acuna is one of the corner outfielders as of the middle of April, um, but somebody's got to play left field before that, and the, the other choices are not overwhelming. So, we'll get into my thoughts on this. Stick. I am not 100% certain that the Braves will have Acuna and Gwinnett on opening day. Um, um, it's probably more likely than not, but I'm not sold. But you know what? Even if he's on the roster beginning of the season, if Lane Adams doesn't seem like a good bet for the backup outfielder, or you think Ronald Acuna makes this right-handed heavy, Ezekiel Carrera is a left-handed outfielder who can pinch it for you occasionally. Yeah, the, the guy, and again, we'll talk about the outfield next week. He may be on the roster. What's his name? Preston Tucker has had a pretty good spring, um, If the, as if that means anything. Um, neither player is anything you get excited about. Acuna is, and so we'll talk about him next week. In fact, here is, here is a fun fact I just saw. Ezekiel Carrera is so unexciting, his only nickname listed on Baseball Reference is Zeke. Which, why is that listed? Okay. Sounds like something Bobby Cox would call him. I know. <laughs> Probably call him, like, Carrie or something, because that's what Bobby yeah. would do. Uh, the other signing the Braves made was Anibal Sanchez. Now, there's somebody I have heard of. Um, you were shocked he was still in the majors, weren't you? Exactly. My, <laughs> I hadn't heard anything about him the last couple of years. It wasn't that long ago, though, that he was one of the, you know, outstanding rotation oh, members yeah. on the Detroit Tigers. I mean, um, no. Obviously, I remember a lot of him from, from the Marlins. That's exactly five seasons ago, yeah. he led the American League in ERA. Oh, did he? On that great staff. That it's it's a had. fluke. I mean, you look at the rest of his career, that's a fluke. He's yeah. That was a two five seven ERA. He never had below a 3-4 otherwise in any real season. Yeah, but, but he, was, he was a pretty good pitcher. Right. Um, he has not been recently. He's been bad. But yeah, he fell off a cliff. I, I looked at his stats. Again, I did not even remember he was in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. I looked at his stats the last couple of years. He's been horrible. So his, his arm must be shot. Um, they signed him to a minor league deal, right? Yes. Um, so basically he is insurance and depth. Right. At if best. He can make a few starts at Gwinnett and looks like he might have it. You know, that's they might call him up to be the long man or something. But otherwise, <laughs> he doesn't mean anything. Now, the question is, is there room at Gwinnett? Max Fried was sent down to AAA camp, ostensibly with the thought he needs to get stretched out as a full starter on a regular rotation sort of setup. And he's yeah. not going to be the on the major league rotation from opening day. That makes sense to me. Uh, I think we'll see Max Fried starting games in Atlanta this summer, along yes. with a lot of other people. Um, Freed, of course, I think has more of an upside than, than Whistler and Blair, um, either or both of whom could end up on the major league roster just as bullpen arms. Uh, if, if Freed, no. I'd rather see Freed starting, so I, I think that's a good move. I should point out that Aaron Blair got shellacked in today's game. Yeah. Um, uh, and he cannot I, I, afford I, even one game that's bad. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of Aaron Blair. Whistler, on the other hand, has had a decent spring, so... I think I think he he may he be on the major league roster. Yeah. Uh, not not in the rotation, but in the bullpen. But if you want to hear our full thoughts on exactly how weird the rotation situation is for your Atlanta Braves, you can check out last week's podcast. And now we get to move on to something that's a little bit more certain with the infielders, which, by the way, will include catchers. Their position is on the dirt. 
I made up that rationale about an hour ago. But so, still. so catchers and infielders is what we're talking yes. about. Okay. Um, yeah, a lot more stability there. We know who's playing um, Pretty much all the positions. All of the positions. Um, at this point, yeah, I think we do know who's playing every position. I mean, so and, we can go through it in whatever order you want, Will. Uh, well, I want to start with... Uh, when I have ever played baseball simulation games, when I think about roster construction, I always think to be a real contender, you've got to start with someone who could be in the Cy Young conversation and someone who could be in the MVP conversation. We talked about last week how we might be two or three years away from having real Cy Young contenders. This year, have, I think it's a safe bet yes. we don't have any Cy Young candidates. But, but we, we have an MVP have candidate. An MVP candidate. He's. Um, He's at Freddie first could have base. been the MVP of the league two years ago. He had that good a season. And this, the way he started out last year and the first third of the year before he had that unfortunate injury, I mean, he was he was putting up numbers similar to Mike Trout. Yeah. Um, Freddie Freeman the league was comparable. Until he hurt his wrist on a freak hit-by-pitch injury, was arguably the best hitter in baseball. Yeah. And that wasn't just a month stretch he had been just about that good for all of 2016 yeah ready was you know very good offensive player now for many years in a row he's still not that old even though he's been around since what 2011 was his rookie year yes Um, he uh he is really just now in his prime years well his birthday is september 12th and this will be his age 28 season so at the very end of the season he will turn 29 um I mean, and once he hit about 26, all of a sudden he, he turned it up a notch so that he is really, from being a very good offensive player to being one of the top four or five in the league. Well, and it's the other thing about this idea of he is an MVP candidate, it kind of establishes it. You just know that you're going to have the building block of a decent offense. Right. Right there in that the middle. That certainly of the helps. And. Uh, to kind of go over these splits from last year, well, he had a really weird... um, I forget exactly what he broke, but he broke his wrist, basically. Yeah. And so... That's what they call it, isn't it? Wasn't that what it was? I don't remember if it was exactly that, but I think it was. I think it was. Through the first 43 games, Freddie hit 348 with a 456 on base percentage and a 745 slugging. Yeah, I'm are, not uh, expecting that in the future. That's insane. Um, right, of course. But then over the second half, he obviously was impacted, but he still hit 283, 371, 495. And, you know, he if you go month in, by month. He in the second half when he kept saying, I really have no power. Yeah. I, I, I really can't hit the ball hard. He, he was still far and away their best offensive player. I mean, in the month of August, he hit 314, 402, 514. That's a yeah. highly impactful offensive player. Oh, that's, that, that, as I say, that is far and away better than anybody else they trot out there. For Freddie's the man. And that was a guy who was sore. His uh, fan graphs has about 5 million different projection systems, which, like, they don't include Pocota because Baseball Prospectus has it separately. But basically yeah. they are saying he will hit, uh, you know, about 300, have about a 400 on base percentage, and about a 550 slugging. Yeah, he has established himself. With. He has been so consistent and gotten a little bit better. Hitting 300 with you know 400 on base and a 550 slugging is just what he does. Um, that's like a normal year for him. Well, that's that's certainly all-star caliber and pushing mm-hmm. MVP. 
if he can stay healthy and stay on the field and do that, what a great place to start with your offense. And he's a pretty good defensive first baseman, although one, first base defense isn't that impactful. And two, we really mean around the bag. He cannot move laterally at all. Freddie's an odd defensive first yes. baseman. He really has no range. Interesting, they tried him at third base briefly last year, which really didn't make a whole lot of sense because he can't move to his left or right very well. Good fielder of the ball, really good arm for a first baseman, and he scoops and stretches as good as anybody I've seen, which is worth a fair amount. But he didn't get many ground balls. No. That's that's the downside. No. And then, you know, as I'm moving around the rest of the diamond, is it weird that the position I feel second most confident about is catcher? Well... No, given the production last year, the Braves catchers, this dynamic duo of Flowers and Suzuki, um, was was the best offensive catcher in the league other than Buster Posey, and that's a close call. You know, um, the, the two of them together were, were un- unbelievably good given their careers up to that point. These are two guys in their 30s, neither of, both of whom are kind of journeyman catchers, mm-hmm. um, both of whom have gotten a lot better this time playing with the Braves. It's probably a fluke. Uh, I wouldn't expect either to repeat the year they had last year, but yeah, together, that, that was a hell of a combination. Uh, I mean, how many home runs did they hit, Will? You got uh, together, you? they hit 31 and added right. 29 doubles, although neither can run at all. Right. Um, unsurprisingly, no triples. Uh, you know, Flowers had a 281, 378, 445 triple slash. Suzuki uh-huh. had a 283-351-536. It's, it's weird. I don't necessarily think I was going to do that again, but they don't need to to be a nice combination behind the plate. Oh, right. Um, they, they won't put up those kinds of numbers together, but they, they could tail off by 20-25%. You still got a great combination behind the plate. Um, so, yeah, you can feel pretty good about the catcher position. And they're both good defensively. Flowers couldn't throw anybody out two years ago, but he improved that dramatically last year, and Flowers has a reputation as being one of the best pitch framers in baseball, Mm -hmm. so that's worth a good bit, especially with these young pitchers who are struggling with control. Uh, I mean, there was an MLB network I mean, Newcomb's got to throw it, you know, within... Right, Newcomb's control is different. (laughs) That's a different story. Um, But Flowers was talking to John Smoltz for an MLB network thing recently, and he said, I... I don't really think of myself as someone trying to steal strikes. I'm trying to present it exactly where it was thrown on the corner. And I thought, right. Yeah, that's, that's what they say. <laughs> but that's clearly a guy who's thinking about it. Oh, yeah. He, he has a reputation of being excellent at that. It's a bit like when Gaylord Perry was asked about the spitball and say it's a hard slider. <laughs> right. But, you know, th- there is something to framing everyone now knows. But also... You've got guys who know what they're doing. It's a veteran presence, and it's not like there were better options the Braves could have called up or went out and signed or done anything with. No. You know, it's interesting they have Suzuki. Um, he, he agreed to re-sign with the right. Braves, um, even though he probably could have been a starting catcher elsewhere, given what he hit, like 19 home runs last year. But mm-hmm. um, he, he likes it in Atlanta, and it's, it's a good combination to have. So, yeah, I think the Braves are, are set pretty well there. Now, that's for this year only. We'll have to talk on another occasion about who the catcher or catchers of the future are because neither of these guys are. But yes. at least for 2018, they're in pretty good shape. Flowers is 31. Suzuki is 33. Um, also, of course, Flowers, I assume, would love to stay 
with the Braves because he is a native of Roswell, went to Blessed Trinity High School. One of the many Georgia natives on yes. this team. Uh, so, you know, presumably he wants to stick around. On the other hand, he uh, he turned 32 the day before I did this year in January. So how long does a giant catcher last in his 30s? I don't really know. Particularly if he wasn't. Again, we can't we can't worry about anything beyond this year with either of those guys. We'll just see what happens. But but for this year, um, I think they're in pretty good shape. So first base, all star, MVP, catcher, very solid. So far, so good. Um, now we get to actually the more exciting part of the infield, but the more uncertain. Um, and let's start with the guy who just put his stamp on spring training with the game against the Pirates on Friday, um, the game that just ended as we are talking to each other, but the day before this podcast goes out, Ozzy Albies hit a home run from each side of the plate. Oh, man. I have been a big fan of this guy for a long time. You know, he's been um, on our radar screen as a prospect, seems like for about five years, but he's still just, well, he's just 21 now. He was 20 last year. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and... He, he was as good as you could expect in his time when they called him up. He has been the youngest player at pretty much every level that he's ever played. He hits the ball with authority for a little guy from both sides of the plate. I don't think he's going to be a big home run hitter, even though he did hit two today. Um, but he hits the ball hard. Yeah. Um, and you know, watch him. He, he squares it up. Um, good gap power. He'll hit it over the fence. I mean, he had... He had several home runs last year as a major leaguer, right? He did. He had six. And if you watch the clips, they're not mirrored. He doesn't have a mirrored swing. But on both, the pitcher threw a fastball that sort of strayed from the outside corner of the plate to the inside a little bit. And he was standing on the plate, and he just turned the bat. Kind of He recognized what the pitch was and just clobbered it. Great hand-eye coordination. Like I say, he barrels the ball up. He hits it hard. He always has, and he does it from both sides. Um, and he can run, and he is oh, a good defender. One of the fastest guys in the system. He's a, he's a natural shortstop. They moved him to second base because of Swanson, but he's got great range out of second base, got a really good arm for a second baseman. Um, defensively, the Braves will be a lot better off at second base than they were last year with Brandon Phillips, who... Um, had a reputation as a good defensive player, and maybe he was earlier, but he was not last year for the Braves. Yeah, his age showed up in his range numbers. Yeah. Uh, and Albies is a much better hitter than Phillips. Phillips By far. You know, could hit an empty 290, um, not walking much at all, not having much power, um, and that's just not worth much. Albies, on the other hand, gets on base. He's got some pop. He can run. This guy is exciting. He, I mean, you need to be careful. Uh, getting too excited about it because he's so young and Swanson was awfully good in August and September two years ago and then we know what happened to him. Yeah, We don't want the same thing to happen. But the difference is Albies has a much longer track record. Even though he's a couple of years younger than Swanson, he's had so much more professional ball. He's been mm-hmm. playing since he was 16 um, and he's got lots of at-bats in the minor leagues. So, I mean, he's pretty well established. He's ready to roll. Well, the other thing is, so I'm looking at projections once again. They are, as always with these projections, conservative on a younger player. Of course. They regress to the mean. They don't want to overstate it. But they're kind of saying he might hit 275 to 280. 
have a 330-something on base percentage and around a 420 slugging. That might yeah. seem to be a disappointment from what he did at the tail end of last year and what his potential is, but you do that while being I a good base runner and a good defender. OPS right yeah. now out of him. That's a really hand, good second baseman. Be of course it is, yeah. With good so, defense and good speed and you know getting on base at 330 and slugging over 400, you'll take that. And he's a switch hitter. Um, right. I don't and I assume he'll be batting at the top of the order. Yes. Um, probably second. Um, assuming Enciarte is their leader. Yeah, so he'll be up there a lot. He'll be on base a lot in front of Freeman and Acuna when he comes up. Yeah, that'll, so he'll that'll score a lot of runs. There's just a lot to like about this kid. And I also think, you know, in some ways, what happened with Dansby Swanson, and we'll kind of move into talking about him too, was so odd, so out of the ordinary. Well, yeah, that, no, but only, only to the degree. I mean, the, the, the phrase sophomore slump's been around as long as I've been following baseball. It's not unusual for somebody in the second year to tail off. The pitchers sort of catch right. on what, what weaknesses might be. So, I mean, it's not unusual for somebody to not do as well the second time around. Um, so that's that's more likely than not what's going to happen with all of these. But even so, that doesn't mean he won't have a pretty good year. And it may not happen. It doesn't yeah. happen to everybody. But you're right. It's the, the, the way that Swanson fell off so dramatically is unusual. And there's no reason to expect that. And it might make us probably a little bit weird if, you know, Ozzy doesn't hit for the first two weeks or something. Uh, yeah, that well, would be totally normal we, we for know any player. Than, than to be concerned about a couple of weeks. Uh, but I kept saying the first two or four weeks last year, oh, don't worry about Swanson, he'll be fine. Turns out he wasn't. Um, actually, Swanson got better after about two months. Um, and then he got bad again, and then he came up and did pretty well. And then he had a bad. Swanson had a bad overall year. Um, but there were still stretches when he wasn't so bad. I mean, uh, this is a weird season that Dansby had last year. There might be comparable ones if you go through it, but he was so bad at the start. In April and March of last year, in 23 games, he hit 156. And then in he May, had a lot of bad luck. I remember his batting average on balls in play was was abysmal. One eighty eight. When he he didn't he didn't hit the ball hard often, but when he did, it was right at somebody. It seemed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and just and you felt it every time. You could almost just right. expect Dansby would come up, and you'd hear Chip Carey just go, "Oh, I mean, just guaranteed." Yeah. In April of last year, then in May, he still wasn't good, but he was like in somewhat normal territory bad rather than right. how is this possible? 216, 336, 341. Then in June, he hit 306 for the month with a 355 on base and a 418 slugging. And, and I remember at the time, okay, he's got that bad stretch of the corner. He's going to have a great second half. He's turned the corner, ready to do what he can do. Then in June, he was worse than he was at the start of the season. Yeah. And in once July, again, yeah. Was, yeah, in July. In his batting average on balls in play sunk. He went he to the was minors. So bad in July, they sent him down. Right. Um, Johan Camargo became the shortstop for a little bit. Then he got hurt. 
And there were some other weird roster maneuvers that I don't remember the timeline, but Brandon yeah, Phillips. But, but Sorensen wasn't down long. They needed to play shortstop, so they called him right back up. And he um, hit really well when he came back up. Yeah. And you know what I remember specifically? You'll, you've got the numbers in mm-hmm. front of you, but I remember he was getting on base at an excellent clip. Yeah. His batting average is never great, but he he was walking a good bit. And, you know, that's, that's worth a lot. When a young player is struggling – it's pretty admirable that he can lay off the, the pitches that aren't on the plate. Now he's in eighth much of the year, so he, you know, he's he's going to get a lot of uh, pitching around kind of stuff. But give him credit for not flailing away at balls that are you know, six inches outside. He he would he would wait for a pitch that was in the zone. Now he couldn't hit a slider to sl- save his life if they threw one over the plate or one that started out over the plate. He he looked pretty bad at times. Actually, uh, I thought the big difference was. He learned that if it was on the outside corner, in certain counts, he needed to hold off. Exactly. Yeah, I think he he, he figured out um, not to swing at certain pitches. Maybe he had been swinging at earlier. Um, so anyway, overall, it was still a, a pretty bad year for Swanson. Having said that, his overall OPS was what, like six fifty or so, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean. It's Which a weird we were talking year. about, you know, 750 would be great out of all of these. Of course, you'd take that out of Swanson in a heartbeat. Um, the, Raphael Belliard probably never even had an OPS of 650, and he was a regular okay. shortstop for the Braves. But is Dansby Raphael Belliard in the first field? Glove. We're counting on Swanson to hit. You know, one thing I, I, I saw recently uh, looking at projections a year ago about who's going to win awards and all of that, the vast majority of people that cover baseball predicted Swanson was going to be the you know, rookie of the year. I mean, I think he was unanimous preseason pick almost. Almost. I mean, there turns out there were some really great rookies out there. He just wasn't one of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you look at some of his value. Uh... And here's the other thing. He has a reputation as being a good defensive player. Before last year, mm-hmm. um, it, he the stats do not show that he, he's – he was a good defensive player. He made way too many errors, um, which is, you know, that's a fixable problem. Um, he's got good hands. He's got pretty good range. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, he's, he's got a pretty good sense of what he's doing out there. Um, but I don't know if the struggles at the plate made him lose concentration in the field or what. Uh, he's, he's got to improve defensively as well. Um, I don't know if this is fun for you, but this is an interesting list. Similar batters through 23. Oh, okay. Um, which similarity scores not, not don't Not going to be any Hall of Famers, I assume. No. Um, I nearly made a really dumb joke that we'll wait until I read the whole list. Okay. Andres Thomas, Jay oh, Bell. No. Andres R- Thomas. Hold on. <laughs> okay, keep going. Jay Bell, Ronnie Cedeno, Milt well, Bowling. Well, wait a minute. Andres Thomas was horrible. I know. Jay Bell had a long, very productive, yes. good career. So far, yeah. Keep going. Ronnie Cedeno, Milt Bowling, Ray Quinones, Alcides Escobar, Everth Cabrera, Royce Smalley, J.J. Hardy, Royce Clayton. You know, there are about who knows? half of that list who were productive, pretty good major league players for, you know, a good long while. Um, and then there are some other ones that were really awful. And, you know, that's exactly what you can expect out of Swanson, one or the other. And then there's <laughs> Alcides Escobar, who's been really awful and had a long major league career. Well, Andres Thomas played longer than he ever should have. <laughs> but it's that is a weird list, right? It is, isn't it? Um, because 
it probably says a guy who has a a start to his career like Dansby Swanson's will not be a Hall of Famer, and probably no, will but never he could go either game. way. He he could he could come around and be a pretty good man. I mean, Jay Bell was quite good for a long time. But yeah, I mean, there's also Everth Cabrera and Ricky Nones who are not very well, good. right? Roy Smalley, who was good until he had back trouble or something. He had a pretty um, good career. Sure. Yeah, but he fell off a cliff, and so I think uh-huh. he's actually the sort of best case scenario in a way. Him or JJ Hardy, but that actually, is a weird think, list. Yeah, I, I think best case scenario is Swanson, Swanson could even be an All Star caliber shortstop. I'm not counting on it anymore, but you, you can't write the guy off based on no. last year when when last spring everybody was thinking this guy is rookie of the year caliber, potential All Star caliber shortstop going forward. Um, but part of the problem is thinking about shortstops. You know, we're in a new golden age of shortstops. You and I remember the late '90s, of course, with um, A. Rod and Jeter and Nomar and Miguel Tejada. Really, at the same time, there'd never been any time in the history of baseball shortstops who were all that good playing at the same time. Um, but I think we might be comparable right now. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, Correa and Lindor and Seager. Um, that, that, I mean, I, I'm not saying they are as established as, as those stars, but every one of them has the potential to be just as good. Um, and it's not just them. There are a lot of other good shortstops. I mean, Trey Turner could right. be really good. Um, and I'm forgetting some others, no doubt. But that um, should also not make us think that a guy who can hit 270 with some on-base skills and medium-range power while holding down the position is a negative. Oh, hell, that's a strong positive. Yeah. There's, just because there might be four or five all-star caliber, even MVP candidate-type shortstops at one time, there's still 30 teams that need a shortstop. And if you've got a guy who can hit 270 and get on base pretty well um, and hit the ball out of the park eight or ten times, um, oh, yeah. I mean, if, if, if he can be on base at over 300 and slug over 400, uh, we, we ought to be thrilled, right? Yes. That would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, he did it in August and September two years ago, and he didn't really come close to that last year. So we'll just have to see. Now he, the guy was the number one overall pick in the draft. Yes. Um, may, that, I mean, you don't want me to pull up that list. A star, right? But, but everybody <laughs> assumed the guy is just almost a can't miss, a guy who might not have a ceiling as high as some other players, but a floor as high as almost anybody just just can't miss in that sense. He could still miss. Um, he hadn't proven it yet, but I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic myself. I'm going to ask something that you're going to then get angry at, but I'm just asking for to kind of be ridiculous. Okay. Is the best shortstop on the roster actually Johan Camargo? Um. Last year he was. <laughs> um, the stretch when he played shortstop um, and Swanson would sit down or when Son- they just sat Swanson on the bench occasionally, Camargo defensively is excellent. I mean, he his, he was known as a glove guy coming up through the system, and he's got, you know, good. He's just going to be a very good defensive infielder, I have no doubt. Um, offensively, he just never did much in the minor leagues, which is why I'm not really a believer in Camargo. Um, as a, at least as a star in the major leagues, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure he's a regular in the major leagues. 
Um, but odds are, if he played shortstop this year for the Braves, um, well, he would have a better year than Swanson had last year, I bet. And he might be better than Swanson this year. Even so, I think the Braves are wise to give Swanson every chance to see if he can do it. Knowing you got Camargo in the system, you might turn to him as your shortstop if, if after two or three months Swanson looked like last year. Can't go forever with the guy. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind... I thought mind... you are going to make a different point, though. I think the best shortstop on the team is the guy we talked about five minutes ago, the guy's playing second base. Okay. Now, they fine, moved all these off, off shortstop um, two years ago just because they knew that Swanson and all these couldn't both play shortstop, so they made that choice. They could always change their mind on that, you know. Um, if, say, going into next year, there's some free agent second baseman out there, or, um, and Swanson hadn't proven himself, it's there's still time to change, but... I mean, it, it now, is just... funny to think about those three guys together, though, because Camargo was never a real prospect. Right. Um, in 2016 at Double A, he kind of had a good second half to raise his numbers overall to 267, 304, 379. And people began saying maybe he could be a future major leaguer because he's a good enough glove. A good glove, a, a backup utility infielder. He could be the next, you know... Charlie Culberson or something. Something. But, you know, for a guy that no one really pegged as a major leaguer, that's a huge step forward. Right. Then, in 2017, in 33 games at AAA, he hits 295 with increased power, and he goes from... Well, actually, his walk rates don't really change that much, but those 30 points of batting average... No, the guy doesn't walk, yeah. He walks enough that it's like a 5% rate rather than the like, oh my God, why are you swinging well, okay. at everything? But, but 5% not good enough. No. <laughs> but it's also, if he improves a little bit, and here's a guy who's been improving, versus Swanson, as you said, was at Vanderbilt and everyone said he's a can't-miss prospect. He will be very good. Ozzy's the kind of guy that, I mean, he was signed for a decent contract, but he wasn't the like best player in the international pool. And he just turns out to be a really good prospect. It's interesting to think about the way these things build. People develop at different different paces. Um, Albies has just been good from the start. Um, Sometimes, I mean, the, the comp I kept hearing last year when Camargo came up and doing well was he could be the next Martin Prado because you remember so well Prado when he came up a decade ago. Um, was a sort of a career minor leaguer, good yeah. glove, but he's not going to be able to hit. And it turns out he's had a very long major league career as right. a pretty good hitter. But Camargo lots of positions could, around the field. Camargo didn't hit three seventeen, three fifty, four hundred that Prado always did. Right. I mean, they're, they're different Prado, kinds Prado of players. Prado didn't either as a minor leaguer though. That's what's so right. interesting. He, he he became a better hitter once he hit his mid twenties. So that's, that's yes. You sort of hold that hope on something like that. That was it's more not likely to happen. It's pretty unusual. Yes, that was more about he hit the same thing every year. Um, right. Oh, yeah. Prado was consistent. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, and I mean, Camargo is interesting as compared to the guy who he might be sharing third base with. Might not. I I haven't heard anything concrete. Well, yeah. Is Rio Ruiz the third, base, the third baseman of the future? It's clear that Camargo is the third baseman. Um, there's been talk about a platoon all, all offseason in the spring. I think there's been every opportunity to, for this to be a platoon arrangement with Camargo and Ruiz. Um, Ruiz has played a lot of first base um, 
and I think that maybe if they want him on the team, he could be a backup for Freeman because they don't really have anybody else to do that. Um, but but if it's a platoon, Ruiz gets most of the at bats, and I don't think it will be. Yes, I mean, and if no. Ruiz makes if Ruiz well, makes wait. the major league roster. Um, I don't think he's going to play every day at third base against right-handed pitchers. I mean, I may be wrong, but I think Camargo is the regular, but Ruiz gets a fair number of starts against tough right-handers. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I was going to say is, in theory, if you have a lefty batting third baseman and his platoon partner is a switch-hitting backup infielder who can cover short and second— the odds are his technical backup could get more at-bats. Oh, well, right. If you're assuming that Camargo plays a lot, uh, even if he's not starting at third base, that he fills in at short and second regularly, that may be. Um, the truth is the team would be better off with Camargo as your, your backup infielder. Um, they'd, they'd be better this year if they had signed a third baseman. Um, Who? You know, Moustakas, um I think, you know, Todd Frazier, um, Neil Walker, maybe. I don't know if he ever played third, but there was some talk about sign him and put him at third base. Any of those guys would be better offensively than what the Braves are going to trot out there. Can I'm I not say... saying they should have done it because um, I'm not sure there's that much difference. Uh, and maybe you might as well see if Camargo can be a major league hitter. If the team was really trying to win this year, they wouldn't be satisfied with a Camargo yes. Ruiz platoon at third base. Right? On the other hand, for what those guys all signed for and who they signed with, yeah, my guess is that the Braves might have had offers in a similar range, and they chose things based on either convenience. I mean, Todd Frazier grew up in New Jersey. Talked about how much he well, lived right. back in New Apparently York. Apparently, the, the Mets got Frazier is sort of a hometown discount. Um, Moustakas, um, you know, went back on a one-year deal to where he was. On a weird deal. The, 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 the thing about him is you you, um, you lose the draft pick. Yeah. And and I think it's the Braves don't want – they need the draft pick. And since they have essentially no international signings over the next couple of years, the, the domestic draft is that much more important. I don't think they're going to sign any free agents right now that cost them draft picks. Um and especially just on a one-year deal for guys not really that good when they're not right. going to compete this year. These guys so aren't I'm, I'm not saying they should have signed Moustakas. There are good reasons not to. On the other hand, um, he's almost certainly going to have a better year offensively yes. than who the Braves tried out there. That's all I'm saying. But here's the other thing. The third baseman in next year's free agent crop are way, 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 oh, way, way, um, Well, Donaldson... Machado insists that he's a shortstop. I don't know if that's really true, but apparently that's that's where they're heading with it. And Baltimore's going to let him do it this year. Um, I mean, probably he is. But my point is, the infielders next year are way more exciting. Right. On a number of levels. And, and, you know, the Braves are setting themselves up maybe to be, be big players in the free agent market going into 2019. I mean, it remains to be seen whether their owners are really willing to spend that kind of money. They haven't been for a long time. Um, but, yeah, the whole plan and, and, you know, trading Kemp and taking on more salary this year to free it up for next year was that they really can go out and spend money next year. And there are there are some really big-time free agents, including a couple of third basemen. You're right. On the other hand, speaking of third basemen, the Braves just love what they see in Austin Riley. 
it's way too early to start counting on him, but he looked really good in spring training, hit some monster home runs. And in fact, um, we should point out push him pretty aggressively, I think. But he's at Triple A camp now. Yeah. He partly to get him at bats every day. Right? I mean, yeah, I don't know whether he'll start at Double A or Triple A, but if he if he really does well, uh, he's he's been a slow starter at the minor leagues in earlier seasons. So, but if he's really doing well, we may see Austin Riley at third base before this season's over, and just go with that and see what he can do. I mean, in thirty plate appearances, his triple slash for spring training before going to minor league camp was two hundred eight, three sixty seven, five forty two. So. Don't make yeah. me extrapolate on he, that. Very small sample size, but he hit the ball very far a couple of times. Yes, he crushed <laughs> He's the ball. Very twice. strong. Right. Um, you know, it's you could see Austin Riley really turn the corner in a way if you want to stare at it the right way. That he had a fantastic Arizona Fall League. Yes, um, and the guy's just twenty. Um, he he he's. He's looking like he might be for real, but again, it's way too early to count on him. And and some people said, "Oh, the Braves don't want to sign a free agent long term; it would block Riley." If I could get Josh Donaldson for three or four years, I'd take him in a heartbeat. And I'd, yeah, Riley can play left field if they need his bat in the lineup. Or yeah, something, so you know? you know the thing that's sort of weird is we don't sound too confident about Johan Camargo as a future. Well, I don't mean regular. to be too down on Camargo. Uh, he we just don't like have a real proven Ruiz. track record of being a hitter. Ruiz, I've, I've kind of got a soft spot for Ruiz. You know, prospect. God, I'm over it. He was one of the first guys they traded for. Yeah, over it. He's been, he's been young at each level, and he's sort of shown that maybe he's also he been can bad. But his, yeah, he hasn't been good. And at the major league level, they gave him a shot last year. He was bad, I think is the only way to describe it. Um, he's not going to be able to hit lefties at all. If he plays at all, they need to be very careful only against righties. Mm-hmm. But it looks like he might make the team out of camp. I mean, what else are they going to do? Yeah, they signed, you know, this guy, Curly or Mo or what's his name, Shimp, um, who has proceeded to strike out like every <laughs> struck time. out like twenty times in a row. I don't think he's the answer. So um, Ryan Shemp, I guess, is around, right? Yeah. Um, Charlie Culberson. Charlie Culberson is the guy you use because you. Like, By the way, don't want to hit a, why, like why is Culberson the guy? Oh, now that we, we've really solidified the backup infield. I was just looking at Culberson's stats. Um, he, he's been the only year that he's had, you know, more than 100 plate appearances as a major leaguer. His offensive numbers were worse than Rafael Belliard. And sure. otherwise, you know, he's, he's really, he's had one year where I know. he played. Um, he hit a home run in the postseason last year. <laughs> he's had a couple of other big hits and big games, and he's apparently a good guy, and he looks a lot like Dansby Swanson, and he's from Georgia. Um, and, and, and you know, he's probably better than having Chase Darno and Jace Peterson. That's where we that, were last that's, year. That's, that's what I was going to say, because he's probably still better than Chase Darno. Also, let's note that he was part of the ridiculous – um, Matt Kemp for Adrian Gonzalez, Scott Casimir, Brandon McCarthy, and Charlie Culberson trade. Right. So really, like, I think whoever came back for Kemp is going to be like, we feel great about this. That will <laughs> yeah. be awesome. I mean, the whole point of the trade was to get rid of Matt Kemp now and Matt Kemp's salary for next year. Next year. Um, and, and, and so they did that. And anything they get back is just a bonus. To uh, the we point of... We talked about pitchers last week. McCarthy, I think, made... 
actually be quite good. Well, yeah, but um, we got rid of but a Culberson is, is I mean, there's never roster. been a doubt. He's a lot yeah. for the roster. He will be the backup middle infielder. Uh, but I don't feel very good about that guy coming off the bench to pinch hit or anything. Um, but that's okay. I mean, I don't mean to be too down on him. Not but really, the, the point there is, I mean, let's remember that this trade brought back two pitchers who haven't had full seasons in forever and a former all-star who was totally washed up that we had for five minutes. Right. I think literally five minutes, whatever the time. Oh, they released him immediately. Is. Yeah. yeah. Um, however long it takes to do the paperwork. Yeah. You know, which is part of the deal, by the way. Yeah. Uh, apparently that was part of the trade. The Braves had to agree that they would release him immediately. Yeah. So, you know, Charlie Culberson is basically, so you avoid the Chase Darno's and Jace Peterson's of the world. Right. But you also get, move on from Charlie Culberson as soon as you can. Right. No, yes, he grew up may in be that guy Calhoun. He may Georgia. be a really good backup middle infielder over the next few years. Right. Maybe he's better than that. Um, and he may have to be the shortstop if Swanson doesn't pan out. We'll see. So, whatever. I mean, I don't really care. Um, the weird thing is, though... The Braves really don't have a whole lot of good options if Camargo and Ruiz fall apart and Riley right. isn't the, ready. Riley's not ready. Um, they'll just they'll just limp along. But but again, saying like saying Culberson's better than Chase Darno, I'll take Camargo and Ruiz any day <laughs> over Adonis Garcia, who was their starting yes. third baseman each of the last two years coming out of camp. He never had a chance to be any good. <laughs> so defensive disaster and really not a hitter. Um, so yeah, I feel, I mean, th- this team, I mean, if you compare this team to the last couple of years at almost every position, they look a little bit better. Um, I mean, I don't know. And younger, which yes. is even better. Also, if you have one hole, that's a lot easier to fill in free agency than five holes. <laughs> right. Um, we, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because next week is outfield, but they've still got a hole in the outfield too. Even if Acuna comes up and does what we expect right. and you can count on Enciarte, they still don't have another corner outfielder. So that's a, that's another free agent signing I think we can look for next year because they just don't have the options internally. But I was thinking about this because I've decided to start following Sumo half seriously because it's no, really easy. To, yes, really? <laughs> because it's really easy to watch 25-minute highlights on NHK World Online. Okay, during every day so. of tournament, really. But in sumo, there's a weird promotion relegation at every single rank. So, like, if you win more than you lose in a tournament, you, like, move up two spots. And so there are some young guys who are like, hey, you know what? It doesn't really matter if I win every time because I'm not. And they're just kind of wild, and they don't really know what they're doing, but they're talented. Okay. And I was watching, and I was like, I'm you sure know, you if have the a point here. Yeah, if the Braves are actually that level where it's not you know we're going to lose some games and we're going to lose some games because our third baseman strikes out four times yeah or a pitcher is not quite ready or kind of falls off but overall there's improvement you can see what it's going to be and what's interesting is it's these things where you can see it take shape and that's where the braves are well the good news about the braves as a fan as bad as the last three years have been we are finally starting to see some of the young players on the major league roster. It doesn't mean that they're going to be good and win. Um, and a lot of fans are frustrated that they didn't play in the free agent market. It's clear they're not really trying to win 
to make the playoffs this year. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm with Anthopoulos. I think we might as well, we've gone this far. Let's see which of these young pitchers and maybe whether Albies and Swanson and Acuna are good. Um, and then if so, you know, they can turn it on next year. Um, the point is this year, I think it's going to be a lot more interesting to watch anyway. So I'm excited about that. And, you know, in some ways spring training could be good as a sort of practice for our fandom for this year. And that there might be games where a reliever that won't be on the next Braves world series team (laughs) gives up the lead and we just cope with it. Yeah, well, we'll. Because we have Ozzy Albies playing, because hopefully Dansby, you know, looks like a major leaguer the whole year, not one month. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have an MVP candidate at first. We have the weird age curve ignoring catching duo. Um, what would even be yeah. their combo? Suzukers? Flauzuki? I don't know how to combine Flauzuki, them. maybe? Um... Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's so weird to think about how this team looks, but you can see what moves they need to do beyond, fingers crossed, everyone develops well. We can think of where free agency will be targeted. Yeah, we know what the needs are going to be, it looks like. And I think the infield shows that, and of course, next week, we're going to talk about the outfield. And we swear we will talk about people named uh, things other than Ronald Acuna Jr., but it it's might not be fun. Mainly yeah. we're talking about Acuna. Uh, so uh, we will try not to go too crazy, but we are not the people who first brought out the ridiculous Hank Aaron comparisons. So let's calm that down a little bit, but that'll be for next week right here on the Channel 17 podcast brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network. You can find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you next week.